I can't believe it. <laughs> Hello there, and welcome to the If It Swims podcast, the multi-species podcast. I am Brett Bolton. Joining me for this episode is Justin Wingert. Hey, what's up, guys? This month, we're going to look at some angling news, talk about some gear, and as always, the fish of the month. But first things first, Justin, what was your last trip? Actually, I went a couple weeks ago. Um, New Year's Day was my last fishing trip. Um, I actually went with my dad. He'd been wanting to fish for a while. He hadn't been out lately, so uh, we went out New Year's Day when it was cold and windy and we hit a couple different local ponds, and we caught nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Uh, we each had one good hit, and we each missed it. Fishing bait? Uh, so we were trying a variety of stuff. Uh, Dad was fishing plastic worms, and I was fishing uh, rattle traps for a little while. Uh, he had one solid bass tap on his plastic worm, and he missed it. And then we went to a different pond and we started trying some bait there. We tried corn and we tried night crawlers. And I had one fish hit right away on a night crawler. And I thought, oh, finally, we're in the spot. We found where the fish are. I missed it because I suck at angling. And then we got no more hits the rest of the day. But, you know, it was a good day. Still a good time to get out there and fish. Enjoy the weather. Spend some time with my dad. Good trip. Pretty much the point, right? All right. For, for, for yep. myself... Uh, a couple weeks ago, I took my uh, I took a kayak and a fly rod out to East Texas to spend a day chasing pickerel. Oh, nice! I only caught about six, but you've been out to that lake. It is a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. This time of year, the pickerel are up in the shallow and up in the salad. For that lake, salad is a bit of a uh, understatement. There are giant <laughs> mats of vegetation, so much that there are terrestrial plants growing on these mats, like small pine trees floating that's, around. <laughs> that's pretty crazy. Floating around the lake, which is kind of amazing. So six pickerel, most of them on binbacks, but a couple on topwater gurglers. And the dead of winter topwater is a strange, strange thing to do for me. It is, but uh, pickerel love topwater, don't they? And they love winter, or at least in Texas, they love winter, right? They, they pretend they're baby pike. Yes. Well, they are baby pike. <laughs> So in the true nature of if it swims, on the gurglers, I caught two bruiser bluegill, like nine, <laughs> ten inch bluegill. That's pretty cool. Which is fun. And a little uh, little three pound large mouth on the binbacks, which is great. It was it was a great day overall. I was by myself out there. It's a great scenery. It was a sunny day, about fifty, which is great for out there. Uh on the way home, found some cheese enchiladas and a beer. Ooh, nice. <laughs> you can't ask for much more, right? Was it at uh, Don Jalapeno? I don't know where Didn't it we was. Stopped? Some... <laughs> you and I, you and I stopped at a, like a Don Jalapeno one time on the way back from from that same lake. I think Jalapeno Tree. Hmm, that's the one. Was it at the Jalapeno Tree? I don't remember. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I forgot where it, it was. It was nowhere. Is where it was. It's, I guess Don Jalapeno is a different chain out there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, actually, Jalapeno Tree is a chain out there across a lot of uh, a lot mm-hmm. of places across East Texas and I think across the whole state in small towns. Probably. Okay. We start each show with some internet fishing news. The fun part about that is nobody knows what the other hosts are bringing. I'll start with a story that surprised me a bit based on just the title. 
subtitle is, an invasive catfish predator is eating its way into another Georgia river. (laughs) At this point, I was thinking it was some exotic fish, some released pet species growing out there, et cetera, et cetera. But from the AP, out of Social Circle, Georgia, flathead catfish are invading another Georgia river. (laughs) Damn flatheads. A predator that would threaten native fish, including the prized red-breast sunfish, which I found pretty amusing. Uh, the Georgia <laughs> DNR said that sampling has found more than a dozen flathead catfish in the stretch of the, I'm going to try this, Ogeechee River, just upstream from I-95. Wildlife officials are urging anglers to catch as many flathead as they can and report them to the State Wildlife Resources Division. But... Do not release them back into the water. They are going to be one of the apex predators around every system once they establish those populations, resource biologist Joel said. If they can fit it in their mouth, they're going to eat it. (laughs) (laughs) That is very true. He goes on to say the flathead catfish is native to many rivers that drain into the Gulf of Mexico, including the Coosa River in northwest Georgia. But the fish have become established in multiple Georgia rivers that drain into the Atlantic Ocean. I say, good luck, Georgia. At least flatheads are delicious. <laughs> That's true. Uh, everyone just needs to go out there and catch a few and eat them. They're pretty easy to eat. It is, it is pretty interesting to hear of uh, flatheads as invasive species. So and Equally interesting. Invasive in the <clears> same <throat> state they're, they're supposed to be in. Yeah, that's pretty weird. I don't think I've ever actually heard of that before. Uh, different ocean drainages, different river, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. Different. It's just a, a phenomenon that I haven't heard before, so that's pretty cool. So, um, in, a, in a different note, the first thing I got here is from uh, USA Today, we have a sheet of ice drifts out into lake near Canada carrying over 100 anglers, rescuers say. And basically what happened was we have a whole bunch of ice fishermen up in Minnesota fishing the... Uh, Upper Red Lake, when the ice broke away and basically created an ice flow that started drifting away from the shore, and they had to have rescue, fire and rescue come out with boats to boat out to this ice flow to rescue 122 ice fishermen. Now, four of them ended up falling into the water, not during the rescue, but during the time when they were attempting to rescue themselves via canoe. So now I'm wondering... Did they bring a canoe onto the ice or was a passerby carrying a canoe or did somebody on shore have a canoe and goes, oh, I better go help them? Through a link in that article, I found a second USA Today article about 50 more ice fishermen who had to be rescued a few weeks later. So apparently no one is heeding. It was a story that I found through a link on the USA Today to an earlier story they had, or sorry, to a a more recent story, Minnesota has apparently been warning its residents not to put too much weight on the ice because they've been having a lot warmer temperatures than usual. And as a result, the ice is a lot thinner, but nobody is heating that. And so they keep gathering on the ice and the ice keeps breaking and floating away from shore. Crazy. Do you know if they got them into boats or do they push the ice back? Back to the rest of it with boats. That's the real question. <laughs> they did not. They did not specify. But now I want to know. 
I believe they were rescued by a boat, although I like right. your idea better. That's, that's less entertaining than just using it as a barge and shoving it back. And earlier, the worst, the worst part of that is the article later goes on to say that earlier in the exact same month, on the exact same lake, the same thing had happened to 35 people. So in the span of like a month and a half, they've had 35 people rescued from an ice flow, 100 people rescued from an ice flow, and then an additional 50 people rescued. Like, at what point do you say, maybe we shouldn't fish these lakes anymore? At least not. Not in a huge group of 100 people? Right. Maybe it's not time to put our shanties out there just yet. Let's let the ice thicken a little bit. That's probably the answer. Man, that's crazy. So here's one for you. In a surprise to nobody, this story from Fox News. A recent study has shown that men who enjoy fishing as a hobby may have better mental health. I'll buy that. Yeah. The study conducted by researchers in three universities found that a fishing on a regular basis contributed to lower risk of depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts, among other health conditions. Researchers polled 1,700 some such males about their fishing activities, as well as other factors including previous mental illness, exercise, and overall well-being. The participants said they fished on a regular basis were nearly 17% less likely to have experienced mental health conditions compared to men who did not fish frequently. The more often men fish, the better their mental health, according to the study, which was published this summer. While it's been well established that fishing has positive benefits for mental health, the new research also highlights that people who engage in the activity hobby more often yield greater benefits. The team was somewhat surprised by the findings. Quote, we were expecting to find that angling in general had positive effects on mental health. However, we did not expect that the more often you fish, the better the benefits are, end quote. So, if anyone needs another reason to get out there, now you've got it. I like that. I, I, I'll buy that, too. I think a lot of times when you go out and fishing, you just spend the whole time thinking about nothing but fishing. And it helps you, at least for a little while, de-stress. You stop thinking about whatever's bothering you. It's going to improve your mindset, at least for a day. And when you fish more often, those improved days are going to stack together and give you a, a greater long-term benefit, I think. Yeah, my thoughts as well. And if, you know, to me, it's all about fishing. And, and same for you and, 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 and other people we know. However, if you're super into outdoor rock climbing, Mm -hmm. is it that different or is it just the fact that you've got an escape and that's what really matters yeah i think like you said i think whatever your hobby is the more you can engage in it the more you're gonna you're gonna at least temporarily escape from all the stress or the the mental burns you've got and obviously you know it's not a, a solution to whatever problems you may be facing, but it will help you deal with them because you'll be approaching them from a better mindset the more you can go out and enjoy whatever it is you enjoy. Fishing, rock climbing, yep. Unless your hobby is uh, is uh, reading about your own job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably, that's probably a, a pretty depressing hobby. I would suggest you see if there's some other things you enjoy out there. Like fishing. Fishing is a good one. Do you have another? Yes, I do. Um, this one is also courtesy of Fox News. Um, and you may you may have heard this or heard of this, but the um, title is Art Weston. Actually, I think this is the title I wrote. I can't remember if the – let me find the actual article title. Uh, the article title was 
Angler hopes 27 pounds smallmouth buffalo fish shatters Texas record. And I thought, well, there's no way that shatters a record. But I started looking into it, and it turns out that the actual record is that he caught it on two-pound test line. Is this you? <laughs> no, but this guy's my, this guy's my new hero. So this is this is sort of one article that led me into looking into this guy in particular. But um, so he a guy named Art Weston and his and his guide multiple guides. Yeah. So you you read this one, obviously. I was gonna say you probably you, you probably know his guide. The guy's name was Austin Anderson. Uh, he is a well-known carp fishing guide in Texas. Uh, and Art Weston had been looking to target uh, large buffalo on extremely light line for a long time. He, um, I was going to say hooked up with Austin, but I didn't want to use a fishing <laughs> pun. It's terrible. <laughs> or the other implications. He, uh, he, <laughs> he hired Austin as his guide. Uh, they went to fish down in Austin. The article did not specify whether they were fishing um, Lady Bird or what lake they were in, but they were in Austin, so I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I found it interesting that they said they explained how normally they would fish for buffalo from shore, but because they were using such light line, they were afraid any little snag or abrasion could lose the fish. So they they set up on Austin's boat, which he refers to as the Buffalo Battleship, which I thought was pretty cool lines all around set up with uh bite alarms a lot of the traditional stuff you would use for buffalo eventually hooked one had to battle it for an extremely long period of time finally landed it and had to take it to shore to get all the uh igfa measurements got everything done let the fish go and it turned out to be a 27 pound buffalo on two pound test which is expected to be the all-time record uh, in fact, I looked into it a little more, and I found a few other articles from um, USA Today and another from Fox News and also the IGFA website about this guy, Art Weston. He apparently holds currently holds 33 IGFA records and at one time has held 56. So this is basically his passion where he goes around the world on vacation and tries to catch line weight records from every species that he can. Says he's even got his basement set up. This is from the IGFA interview they did with him. He has his basement set up as his, he calls it the angling laboratory, where he has it filled with all of his gear, but also all kinds of equipment for testing line weights and stuff so that he's sure ahead of time that he's using certified two-pound tests or whatever the case may be. Insanity. So he's kind of my hero right now. Also, on a personal note, I'd like to say that for he said for his favorite light line knot is the Palomar knot. Which is also my favorite light line knot. Really? In fact, I wrote down. I just wrote down that he listed it as his favorite uh, his favorite knot for light line. But if I remember right, and I could look it up if you want me to. But if I remember right, he said basically because of it's the one that will slip the least and will stay the strongest with light line. And he went on to talk about different knots and things he uses for heavy line, but for light line fishing, he prefers the Palomar knot. Hey, let's. Uh... Let's see if we can get uh, that guy on the show. That would be cool. Right. And if not, oh, we, we, we can, can get, get Austin. Austin on the show. Oh, right? also, also of note, um, I forgot to mention, you may, you probably already know this, but he said his guide, I, he had two guides were listed in these articles. One of the, when I was looking up, one of the other Fox News articles I found was about the record alligator gar that he caught. Is it Dawson? Uh, he was, he was fishing with Kirk Kirkland. Oh, he's kind of still around doing yeah, stuff? Yeah, the, the main alligator gar guy that I know anyway. Uh, but his his IGFA record for alligator gar is a mind-boggling 286-pound gar 
on six pound test. No, it's not. That's it is indeed. Yes, it is. I can send you the link. He also said he was he was not targeting them. Or he, was, he was targeting them, but he wasn't anticipating catching a really big one on the six pound test. So I don't know if he just had an extra line out there and that happened to be the one the fish took or what. That's insanity. This guy is your hero. It really is. On uh, Sam Rayburn, I believe it said. Nice, nice. Yeah, let's see if we can get him on. Yeah, so or he's been here. Austin. It sounds like it. It sounds like it. Fantastic. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, no problem. So also each month, we'll try to do some gear reviews, starting with you, Justin. What do you got? Hey, so I got a brand new Shimano combo. Uh, I should preface this by saying I haven't actually caught a fish on the combo yet. Uh, I've been out twice since I purchased it. I did catch the other time, but uh, everything came on my other Shimano combo. Uh, I like Shimano. Anyway, so uh, this I picked this one up right before Black Friday. It was on a big sale. It's actually Christmas shopping for my dad, who, as I talked about earlier, is also an angler. Um, and I happened to impulse buy myself a, a new combo because I was down a rod, and they had a really pretty inexpensive but decent Shimano combo for about $45 on sale for $25. It is the Shimano FX2500. Uh, it's a fairly small reel. And in fact, I thought the reel was a little too small for the rod that came with it. So I put the reel on a different rod and I put one of my older reels on the, the rod that came with it. The rod itself is an aeroglass rod. It is a, a six foot six inch medium power fast action, which is about my sweet spot for rods. Uh, it casts pretty well for a, a budget rod. Like I said, I haven't caught anything on it yet, so I can't uh, test it that way. But I have winged a quarter-ounce Roadrunner and a quarter-ounce Rattletrap out there about as far as I can, and it zips them out there pretty good. Uh, for an aeroglass, it feels pretty good. It's not as sensitive as a graphite, but I do like the feel of it. Uh, it's a little it's a little uh, heavy for a, for a medium-fast, in my opinion, but it's a pretty nice rod, especially for the price. Fantastic. You said uh, no fish yet, though, right? That's correct. Uh, I have I have caught up my other rods, but not on that one yet. That ironically, ironically, the fish that I mentioned earlier, the one good hit that I caught was on that or that I didn't catch was on that rod. So I have had action on it. I just failed to uh, actually connect on the hook set. Perfect. You know, there's uh, my my uh, old 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 anglers friends of mine were always a uh, very superstitious about superstitious about new. Uh, rods. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's part of it, right? Could be. All right. So mine for this month is going to be a little bit odd, but I'll start with this. I'll say it. A lot of stuff is made in China, and a lot of it is just garbage. <laughs> but for the past several years, there have been a few products and a few companies that have proven themselves to be, if not good, at least a good value. One of these is Casking, and today we're looking at their Spartacus 2 spinning reel. I think I actually own six of these. That's a lot. Okay, four. Two belong to my wife. She has the baby blue versions they call Spindrift, I think. I've got two in the matte green and a pair of the older ones in the original color. All of mine are in the 3000 size, perfect for freshwater fishing and for inshore. Little on the small side for redfish. But yeah, that's what happens sometimes. Uh, it says uh, eight ball bearings, all stainless. They claim to be waterproof. 
I've dunked them waiting in the salt water plenty of times and haven't had any issues with that yet. Uh, I think total weight is 358 grams, which if I knew what a gram was, I could tell you if that was light <laughs> or not. I'm kidding. So that's not bad at all. Mm-hmm. So right now they're 41 bucks on Amazon, which is pretty good. I fished with $100 spinning reels that were not as smooth and certainly not as durable as these. That's pretty impressive. Yep. I spooled them with 15-pound braid. I know you're not a biggest braid fan in the world, but... I might be, you know, I might start it putting on more reels. I feel, I feel like our, our trips to the coast have converted me a little bit into it. It'll do it. It'll do it. Plus, mm-hmm. I know you fish Roadrunners a lot. Yep. And a 15-pound braid is teeny, teeny stuff. But if you can just straighten a hook instead of break it off, it's kind of nice. <laughs> yeah, that would that would help save some roadrunners for sure. Yes. So that 15-pound braid, and I'll admit, I uh, I do match the braid to the real color because I've got those <laughs> options. The only complaint I've had so far is my two oldest ones, the knob itself is starting to deteriorate. Yeah. That's after about five years of saltwater fishing in my kayak. Mm-hmm. And... I am not easy on conventional gear. We'll see how these new ones do, but all in all, I'm impressed so far. Sounds like good stuff. Cool. Now, on to the fish of the month. So, the co-hosts don't know what this fish is. Some of them are more challenging than others, so it could be a fun game to play along with. Our February fish of the month is a pretty cool one. It has one of the largest ranges in North America, reaching from Guatemala north through Canada to Hudson Bay, and pretty much completely between the Rockies and the Appalachians. The world record is from Tennessee. It's 54 pounds, 8 ounces. It is the only member of its genus and is the only freshwater member of its family in North America. And now my favorite part for each species, it's nicknames. We have Russellfish, Shepherd's Pie, (laughs) (laughs) Gray Bass, Grunter, Grinder. I might have it. I'm not making this up. Goobble Gobble. (laughs) Got me a Goobble Gobble. Croker, and of course, Gasper Goo. Yeah, okay. <laughs> In the far north of its range, it is called a sheep's head, mm-hmm. which confuses me. And according to this, in Canada, it is sometimes called a sunfish, which confuses me even more. What? Why? <laughs> All right, you have it, right? I do. Yeah, that's right. I'm not good at this, but Oplodonitis grunians. That's pretty good, right? Good enough for me. Freshwater drum. So, Justin, off the cuff mm-hmm. and on the spot, what can you tell me about them? Uh, they are primarily bottom feeders. Whenever you catch them, they look like they're startled. They gape at you. I love that, I love that description. <laughs> They are probably the most startled-looking fish I've ever caught. Um, They're actually quite tasty. A lot of people think that they are not. However, uh, I know quite a few people who prefer them to the taste of white bass. They have a a very firm, 
flesh. They're actually, they're, a lot of people think of them as only bottom feeders, and while they feed a lot on the bottom, they're also very aggressive. They will easily take minnows or lures or anything imitating bait fish. Uh, they're basically opportunistic feeders. Uh, they get pretty big, like you said, up to 54 pounds, I believe you said the record was. That was shown as the record. I'm sure they're bigger than I'm sure they are, too. too. They, they, they fight very hard. For a second. Mm-hmm. Yep, then they, they <laughs> tend to they tend to tire out pretty fast. They have a rounded tail. They do. Which is pretty unusual. Uh, like like you said, they are the only freshwater version of their species. Um, obviously, there are some red drum that have been introduced into freshwaters here and there, but I don't think those really sure. count. But uh, related related to the red drum and the black drum. Right. Uh, that's probably about all that comes to mind off the top of my head. That's That's everything, isn't it? I do like your description of the, uh, the, did you say startled? Yeah, they look startled when you catch them. Look, when you catch one, it looks at you and says, I can't believe it. <laughs> exactly. They're just, they're incredibly shocked that you caught them. <laughs> they're so they, they thought for sure they were eating a real fish. Now they're like, wait, is that a piece of plastic? What's going on? Then they just they stare are. at you like they're waiting for you to explain the situation. And you hear a record scratch, and the fish is going to be like, you're probably wondering how I found myself in this situation. <laughs> so they're, um, from my experience, they're caught often, but they're surprisingly, at least for myself, difficult to target. Yes. I don't know where to find them any day of the week. They're Sometimes they're there, sometimes they're not. I'm sure mm-hmm. there are people who can just go and tell you exactly where and when and know all about them. But they're uh, they're often for myself a bycatch. Yep, a happy bycatch. I like them, but a bycatch nonetheless. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. In fact, um, our last time out together, we were targeting them for a while just because we weren't catching anything else, and we were mostly catching bluegill. And then when we started trying to catch bluegill, we actually started catching drum. True. And then one weird smallmouth buffalo in the middle of all of it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Over the next few weeks, what we want is for you to send in your freshwater drum photos and stories to FOTM at ifitswims.com. All right. That was fun. Thanks for hanging out with us, Justin. Thanks for the time this month. Hey, thanks for having me. We are on the web at ifitswims.com and on Instagram at if underscore it underscore swims all links to find us are available in the show notes along with links to the items covered this month our intro music was written for us by dallas artist jeff hewitt join us again next month and as always we will see you out there